Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 179 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. This week, the chilly mornings have begun, the nukes continue to pack away the fondant and I'm preparing products for a weekend market. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by Simon the Beekeeper. Making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone, Simon the Beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible, along with a super fast delivery service. The bees won't wait, so their customers don't have to either. Visit the website at www.simonthebeekeeper.co.uk Hi everyone, welcome back. Another week gone and at the moment we're racing around the apiaries, checking colonies and topping up feeders. Remarkably, the weather is still very warm and settled. The forecast for the coming weekend and beyond is a continuation of that dry, warm September sunshine but turning unsettled with showery weather kicking in at some point next week. It also coincides with a drop in temperature as we lose the 20 to 24 degrees Celsius daytime highs for what is going to feel like a chilly 15 degrees or so this time next week. And I think that's probably going to be the last of the autumn heatwave that we've been experiencing recently. October will be upon us and although it won't see the temperatures plummet there is going to be a noticeable shift towards an additional sweater or slightly thicker long-sleeved shirt. Not that I'm any kind of fashion guru you understand I just like to stay warm. I have been instructed to get rid of my navy blue hoodie the one with the Norfolk Honey Company written on the front It's a little bit threadbare, well, actually a lot threadbare, but I don't like to just dump it. I like to think I'm being mindful of using everything fully, but I'm told I'm starting to look a little bit like a tramp, so I guess it has to go. It's done well, I've had it for quite a number of years now, so I think it's time to let go and maybe invest in another one. I once saw a bee suit that was more patches than suit, not mine I hasten to add, It was stained with propolis, torn and sewn up in several places, had a number of burn marks, a result of poor smoker control, I suspect, and the hood, which had been torn and sewn back together again in so many places, I've no idea how the beekeeper could see what he was doing. He still seemed to manage, though, and would hear nothing of getting rid of it for a new one. This could well be me in 20 years' time. Well, at least I'm hoping so. Talking of bee suits, it's time to give you an update of my Simon the Beekeeper Buzz Workwear Professional Bee Suit to give it its full title. So, this suit has been my day-to-day bee suit for this season and I promised an update after I'd used it for most of this year and it's an off-the-shelf number with no made-to-measure options or adjustments and it cost me just $49.99. It's been washed at least once, sometimes twice a week, including the hood, which gets shoved down one sleeve before the main zip is drawn up to the collar 
a hot wash, fast spin, and then hung out to dry in the sunshine. So here's what I've found. This is a factory-made bee suit. It's a standard suit, so there are always going to be a few niggles. Oh, I nearly forgot. It's a 2XL-sized suit. I think I mentioned before that the polite sales girl suggested this size because of my height, not because of my weight. I had to smile at that. Anyway, it's a decent fit for my height, six foot three. You don't want them too tight fitting. A little bit of wiggle room makes for a much more comfortable session in the apiary. So back to the detail. The cuffs have a Velcro adjustment tab on each sleeve so that you can pull those cuffs in tight. I really don't like these and I have left them stuck in their original positions. The problem I have with them is that when the tab is moved around to tighten, it tends to cause one of the corners of that Velcro strap to stick up and catch on my gloves or poke into my hand or wrist, making it feel uncomfortable. In its original position, it works just fine, and so I would suggest you just leave it there. There are wide elasticated thumb loops, I tend not to use thumb loops normally, and these somehow feel like they've been sewn in a place for someone who's grown a thumb on the back of their hand rather than in a more natural position. But actually, they work fine. And for me, using them, I do tend to pull my gloves down over the cuffs and wear cloth gauntlets anyway, so it doesn't really affect how I wear it, and I don't need to tighten the cuffs up anyway. The main body zip is too long, or at least it zips up too high for my liking. Unless you have the neck of a giraffe, you'll probably want to leave the zip slightly undone. I pull it up just past the two Velcro tabs on the suit that connect to the hood, and that's just fine. But if I forget and zip it up all the way, I do have a tendency to strangle myself when I lean forward. The legs have boot zips to let you put your suit on over any kind of boot or shoes. Well, probably not wellies, you understand, just hiking boots or that kind of thing. But this season I've been kicking off my shoes and working in wellies, so I've not really had to bother with these zips, but they do work fine when I've used them. The important part, the hood, is perfectly acceptable. The mesh material is black and fine enough to allow me to see what I need to and apart from that awkward position you sometimes find yourself in when the sun shines at an odd angle and catches the mesh material, I don't find myself fussing over it at all. The best mesh on bee suits is the type that you forget is there and for the most part I can't find fault with this hood. It does have an odd pointy top to it. If it were bright blue I would look like a smurf remember those? It's a minor point and once the hood is up you can't really see what you look like anyway and I don't have any mirrors to peer in so no problem there. There are plenty of pockets and I sometimes think there are too many pockets but for me again I use the normal side pockets and the hive tool pockets. There are also breast pockets and I have shoved my phone in one of these and used the velcro flap to hold it down and it secures it fine so that works okay. As a day-to-day -day bee suit, it really does work just fine. I've caught it on a few brambles and it's held up well. No rips or tears. It washes well. I roll the suit up and cram it into the hood when I've finished and throw it into the back of the truck, wash it and repeat. And so far, it's held together well. The zips appear 
tough and well made, no failures as yet, and the hood zip is likewise performing very well. The suit comes with a spare hood as a little bonus, and apart from those very slight niggles that I've mentioned, I really can't complain, particularly with the purchase price of $49.99, and that, that's a significant saving on the UK's leading brands. If you want an affordable bee suit, then I can happily suggest to you to take a closer look at the Buzz Workwear Professional Bee Suit from Simon the Beekeeper, and they're not sponsoring me to promote the bee suit on this podcast. Meanwhile, elsewhere around the apiaries, feeding continues. The vast majority of colonies have now had at least 14 kilos of Apimix syrup, and that makes me feel a little more relaxed, although with this warm weather you can never tell. The nukes have been packing away fondant at a decent rate too, and that's really nice to see. This September sun has given them a massive boost, and some of them are almost large enough to go into full-sized hives. But that will have to wait until next spring though, as the vast majority of our nukes are earmarked for sale in the spring as overwintered nucleus colonies. The colonies are well protected in their BS Honeybees 2-in-1 nuke boxes. In fact, all of the polyhives and nukes did really well at the beginning of this season, just gone. So I anticipate we'll be looking at some nicely developed colonies in March and April. If you are getting a nucleus colony next spring, I have a couple of suggestions for you, if I may. Firstly, make sure you order it now. Get a deposit paid and secure your bees for next spring early. Doesn't matter where you buy your bees from. Well, I say it doesn't matter, but actually it does. Make sure you buy it from a trusted source, not some stranger down the pub. But what I mean is, it doesn't matter whether it's bees from me, Paul at Happy Valley Honey, or the lads at BS Honeybees. Wherever you get your bees, make sure to order them in advance. It will avoid disappointment, but it also gives the producers a good idea of what their stock levels are and what they need to hold for next year. I'm sure we're going to sell it before Christmas. We don't produce hundreds of nukes, just a select number of high-quality colonies to share around. So you've been warned. Get them while you can. The other thing to mention is that you don't want to take ownership of your nukes too early in the season. Just be patient and wait until we get through the really hard frosts of spring and then things will settle down and you can rest assured that you've got good conditions for the bees to go into their new home. I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that I'm off to a market at the weekend. It's actually a plant fair over the entire weekend, so it's taken a bit of organising, mainly because I don't tend to take part in farmers markets and that kind of thing anymore. There was a time when a farmer's market was an infrequent, almost rare event. Once a month, maybe, producers would descend and set up fragile gazebos with handwritten tickets offering their wares, the result of an enormous amount of hard work on the part of the producers and welcomed by the excited local community as a kind of special event. These days, there seems to be a food market, farmer's market or pop-up event almost every day, with a seemingly unending list of producers selling all manner of goods. Now, I'm not moaning about it here. Well, not much. But it does seem a lot of producers are fighting over ever-decreasing amounts of free cash from fewer and fewer customers. 
I know some of you will be very successful at these markets and I commend your efforts, but I just can't get excited about the week-in, week-out construction of my gazebo stall. But this week is different for me. I can't remember how long it's been since I last attended an event of this type. Some years, I think. And, well, it's a bit like the bad memories have faded and I'm left with my rose-tinted glasses anticipating a thoroughly enjoyable weekend. But what to sell? Well, there is, of course, honey, and I'll be taking along a range of our products, including our jars of honey and some fantastic-looking cut comb sections. I'm sure that's going to sell out super fast, as we only produce a small amount each year, and it's highly sought after. I've been saving it up for this event, rather than selling it via our stockists or on the website. It's just not going to last that long. We also have our new range of candles that we've been producing, some excellent pillar candles, a couple of square shapes and a few oddities such as pumpkins, Father Christmas and skeps. A bit of an odd mix, I think, but I think they'll sell quite well. If only people knew how much work goes into making all this stuff. We used to sell quite a few other products such as granola, lip balms and furniture polish. That's a strange mix too, but I just don't have the time right now to get involved in all the prep work needed prior to even getting started with the production process. I'm too busy writing and recording podcasts, for one thing. Anyway, we'll have enough honey to go round and it will all be housed under our super strong gazebo. It's a commercial grade beast designed to withstand the worst of conditions when I started out thinking it would be a great idea to do weekly farmer's markets around the county, I bought a basic gazebo, a collapsible table and a chair. And that was pretty much it. It soon became obvious we needed some weights for the gazebo. A few quid spent on plastic fillable weights and a sack full of sand and we had the means to keep the gazebo in one place. Well, that's what I thought. One of the locations we signed up for was outside a place in Norwich called The Forum. It's our central library, among other things. What they don't tell you is that if you get the pitch in just the right or wrong position, the wind whips around the buildings, speeds up into some kind of vortex, and without warning, totally destroys your gazebo, throws any loose leaflets you might have had printed at great expense across the Forum Amphitheatre, and if you're lucky, you'll only lose your chair as you clutch to the table laden with your valuable produce. That was how our very first gazebo was destroyed. The next upgrade lasted a little longer, but that eventually went the same way because we allowed another stallholder to tie their gazebo to ours in the vain hope the twin structure would withstand the blow. Mistakenly. Hence the final heavy-duty upgrade, complete with cast-iron weights to hold the entire thing down. And if we're on grass, then guy ropes and heavy-duty tent pegs are the order of the day as well. Now I know I'm not painting a great picture here, but experience has taught me that if it can go wrong, I'll find a way to allow it to happen. That said, this weekend is looking really good for the weather, the people sound delightful, and I'm told the turnout is going to be fantastic. Not that I've ever been invited somewhere and been told anything otherwise. Add to all of that, I'm being given the pitch for free in exchange for giving a talk all about beekeeping on each day. What could possibly go wrong? I'll let you know next week. Well, that's it for this week. I need to go away and make up some signs for our gazebo and I'll catch up with you all again next week. But for now, I'm Stuart Spinks and that was beekeeping short and sweet. Beekeeping short and sweet.